tuning in to the online broadcast network, AfterBuzz TV. Over 20 million weekly downloads in over 150 countries and your number one source for after-show entertainment. AfterBuzz TV, the destination for TV superfans. Producing aftershows for over 300 of your favorite TV shows. Interviewing celebrities and showrunners. And bringing you behind-the-scenes exclusives. All thanks to E! Entertainment's Maria Menounos, producer Kevin Undergaro, and internet leader Akamai. Now, let the buzz begin! Janine, you... Yeah. <laughs> yes. Happy together indeed because we are back here for another episode of the Limitless After Show for After Buzz TV. Greetings all, I'm your host JB Zimmerman. Alongside me are the panel. Frank is back. Thank Yay. you. It's good to be back. I missed you all last week. You can find me on Twitter at Let's Go Frank M. Uh, it's an exciting episode tonight, guys. Yes, excited exciting to talk about episode it. for sure. And I'm Amanda Richards. I'm happy to be back. And you can find me at Amanda FTA31 on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Yeah. And Speaking I'm excited too. <laughs> nice. All the social media. Speaking of excitement, we have a very special guest with us today. Yes. The director of tonight's episode, episode five, Personality Crisis, Joshua Butler. Yay. Hello. Hey. Thanks for having me. Thank you for coming um, in. Yeah, thank you. Thank you. Yeah. Um, it's his personal favorite song, by the way, that we introed in. Yeah, happy Frank together. asked me what my favorite song of all time was, and exactly. I, I had to think about it, but I guess Happy Together we by the Turtles Picked a good one. Yeah. Oh, classic. He also, yeah. classic. first, I, he asked, classic or modern, and I said, sure. <laughs> right. <laughs> you know, well, the thing about Happy Together, yeah. like, uh, many bands have tried uh, to cover it, yeah. but mm-hmm. nobody ever got it better than the Turtles, right. so it sort of works in both uh, classic yeah. and modern. It's awesome, and a great yeah. way to start the show, because, um, you know, our characters are getting, you know, closer together. Yes, exactly. The episode. I, I was thinking about that, you know, the title Happy Together. Obviously, Brian has sort of a alter ego this mm-hmm. episode, more mm-hmm. so than in previous ones. He actually names him Badass Brian. Yes. Um, <laughs> and, you know, there's a, there's is a much bigger difference this episode between NZT Brian and not NZT Brian. Yeah, and mm-hmm. it's becoming something that's more of a conflict between the two characters. So, Josh, I wanted to ask you just at the start, this is a brand new, you know, antagonist for Brian. It's himself, and it's himself on video. So, when you read that and when you got the script, how did you approach, you know, bringing up this new element to the show? Um, yeah, it was really... Uh, an incredibly exciting uh, development for the show. And, of course, when you're shooting a scene where you have non-NZT Brian and NZT Brian in the same scene, you basically have to shoot it in two completely different uh, places and two completely different times. So the idea was that we had to basically, every scene where you see the two of them together, like him talking to himself on video, we had to do them uh, in in separate ways. So... uh, just the nature of having Jake play both versions of himself mm-hmm. just made it an interesting kind of production challenge. But um, from a from a creative standpoint, it was really about how to differentiate performance-wise what Jake was going to do on NZT, what we would make the video look like, how much he could accomplish on NZT. You know, mm-hmm. like could he create clay figures? Sure. You know, could he <laughs> do some cool stuff with the camera? Could he create like cool versions of the FBI set in a, a supermax prison, sure, right. you know, it's like, you, you sort of say, okay, well, you know, he can do a lot on NZT, so, so like, how are, creatively, we could just sort of be free to do what we want to do, 
and then you know he can show his hungover non-NCT self you know the the joy of what he did the night before right it's right. so interesting that beginning scene because you have the camera on a screen on the television screen I, yeah. I, I'm assuming just because I, I have some knowledge of onset stuff that green that screen. screen was a green or blue screen and then you project the image out it was blue onto, yes. it was blue okay <laughs> and so, and then, because there was too much green in the rest of the shot so we had to go blue <laughs> I see so you do have the option we have the option the yeah either or it's, it's like the, the color that's not as most prevalent most prevalent in the frame you know so like if you're wearing green you gotta Put blue on the screen. I see. You know, it's one of those things. That's cool. That's cool. And then, yeah. you know, what was interesting about that, you, you are shooting, you know, at a screen and then you flip around and mostly it was Brian being very still and watching himself. Right. So what direction did you give, you know, Jake in those moments when he's really just kind of watching himself? Well, the great thing is that we were able to shoot, like in the opening sequence, we were able to shoot the NZT sequence like several days before we shot the non-NZT sequence. Okay. So my wonderful editor, Chris Cab put the scene together and we had a version of the scene to show Jake. So basically when we're shooting Jake's reactions to the scene, we're actually playing off camera for him the real scene. Oh, that's great. So, But then, of course, when we're over his shoulder and we're shooting at the TV screen, we're shooting him looking at blue. So, you know, but at the same time, we were playing the audio from the scene that we had already cut. So Jake had very, uh, you know, it was easy for him to react to the scene because he was hearing it or seeing it yeah. when you see him right. looking at it. Yeah. That's very so cool. <laughs> yeah, I would have never guessed that, yeah, you know? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, no, Jake, Jake is a great scene. actor, but he can't really bilocate. So <laughs> yeah. Can, yeah. Darn work, him. Work One that day. out. <laughs> Just budget constraints. I know. What are you going to do? Yes. Uh, I do have to ask, though, about the clay dolls. Is that something that was an idea that you came up with? I mean, in terms of, you know, there is a lot of fun that you guys have more with this show than other procedurals. You know, is that something that you guys could talk about? Is there that creative ability for you coming in as a director of one episode? Yeah, well, I mean, you know, the great thing about the showrunner, Craig Sweeney, and the writer of my episode, Sally Patrick, they, you know, are committed to every week doing something different and cool with how we sort of, you know, dramatize Brian's kind of personal conflict in in terms of his NCT self versus his non-NCT self. So this episode was really called the doll episode. So so I got the script and obviously the dolls were scripted and then Max the uh, prop master, you know, designed these great great dolls. And then we had all these dolls on set. So when we're shooting, the good news is that, you know, Craig and Sally uh, sort of gave me uh, some freedom to sort of imagine what we could do with the dolls so a lot of the scenes are actually my hand in the shot you know moving the dolls around so it was like I, I had to get in touch with my inner child and kind of when we were shooting it you know just like when Jake was there we would obviously Jake's doing all the, the, the doll work and then you know when it's just the dolls sometimes it's me doing it sometimes it's uh you know, some some other person who's uh, you know who was available at, at that moment. So we're all just kind of moving these dolls around and kind of doing this puppet show on on screen. And you're like, wow, this is a CBS show. It's going to be on. <laughs> it's going to show to 10 million people next week. And here we are playing with dolls. Um, but it works. Yeah. It works. It's great. It's fun. And, and yeah, and that's what's great about Limitless. Like, um, you know, the 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 conceit is it's not like a very strict formula. It's like every week they're trying to get inside Brian's head so so you can do cool shit like that. Yeah. 
Yeah, and I definitely wanted to ask you about the wild, you know, daydreams that Brian has because each one is this very short, maybe less than five seconds yes. cut yes. to a, a very quick. And I really liked during the middle of the episode. I wrote down there were spotlighted scenes um, mm-hmm. when we were, where we were going back into Chris's childhood. Yes, thank you for noticing. So yes. <laughs> yeah, so that was um, really interesting. Um, how did you approach those since you had to accomplish a lot visually in a short amount of time? Well, thank you for both noticing the the spotlight and also recognizing that on TV, TV schedules you really don't have a lot of time to do, right. you know to do as much as you can on feature films because you're trying to shoot these things economically. So actually, the spotlight concept is something I came up with in pre production because there were all these moments where we, where we were sort of taking uh, a trip through uh, through Chris's past and you know the uh, Brian's past and trying to see you know how Brian and Chris were connecting you know with their backstories. So, um, you know, to try to figure out a way to do it creatively, but also do it efficiently. And right. I thought of an idea of, of doing this kind of theatrical stage lighting yeah. and having this kind of, these kind of tableaus as they were describing their past. And, and, and it kind of worked in both ways. Cause it looks like we, we really made a choice creatively, but it was also very easy to shoot because we created one wall set and then we just redressed the the scenes and then had different actors for the different flashbacks you know some of the kids obviously were in two or three different flashbacks because they were mm-hmm. you know in, in separate vignettes but you know but it's very easy you know we set up the camera and we we do a dolly and then we basically like you know within 20 or 30 or 40 minutes we've shot that scene which which as you say goes by in like two or three seconds on screen so um and then i tried to extend that that concept to the exterior scenes like the scene is in we, we came up with the idea of doing it in a park, like Shakespeare mm-hmm. in the park kind of thing, <laughs> yes. where, you're, where you have, you know, the, 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 the sort of lie he's telling Chris Mike about what's going to happen, Mike and Ike, yeah. and the football, and the, you know, what's going to happen with, with Chris's brother, you know, if he agrees to, uh, to, to make a deal with the FBI. So, you know, so yeah, the idea of doing a very theatrical theme in the flashbacks and the dolls for the, the inside Brian's, uh, Psychology, so you know, it's it's just making choices. I think it's really about trying to find something that's cool but but easy to shoot. Yeah, and right. you accomplish a lot in a small amount of time. I know I've been oh, talking yeah. a lot. If you have uh, questions, you can you <laughs> no. can cut me off. No, but, you're asking no. what I wanted to ask. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Yeah. Well, and and you made the point. You used a dolly to roll across the shot, and but it feels continuous. It feels like you right. set up four different scenes and you just rolled the camera across, which obviously was not the case. Correct. Mm-hmm. Well, that's correct. I mean, they're, they're, they're exactly the same wall. Okay. You know, they're the same sort of Robert Gans, the DP. You know, we, we did the same lighting, but everything is designed to come out of black, go into the spotlight, go back into black so that we could editorially, Chris, my editor, sort of, you know, was able to sort of blend them seamlessly so as one tableau ends, another one begins. But again, it's the TV works it's so quickly. I mean, everything, you have to shoot so quickly that that it's great because at the end of the day it's like you really have to come up with those concepts of using the same wall to do the same shot right. you know different different scenes in the same place mm-hmm. to save time on lighting and 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 production but but hopefully when you see the show you feel like you know it's a uh, it's even more complicated than it actually was to shoot. Right. Yeah, I think that's so cool. And, and a, an example 
of how much a director can take creative control of an episode. Because, you know, you get a script and it's probably got a lot of extra direction in it or, yes. you know, um, <laughs> um, one of my, I'm thinking of the wrong, um, uh, uh, you know, the writers write the dialogue, but then there's the stage, stage direction. direction. Stage direction. Stage, yeah, that's yeah. what I was looking for. Mm-hmm. Stage direction in between. But still, there are those spaces where the director ha- can take over control. Well, and again, I have to give real credit to Craig Sweeney, the showrunner, and Sally, the writer, because they basically designed those those vignettes and said okay mr director of our episode <laughs> you know please visualize or or come up with a vision for how we're going to shoot these things and then the line producer Cotty and and all the the folks on the production end are saying okay you only have an hour to shoot you know these two scenes or two hours to shoot this scene wow. so you have to balance i think in tv it's i think most people don't realize like you really have to balance both the mathematics of it, the amount of time, because you have to shoot six, seven, eight pages a day, mm-hmm. you know, in TV, whereas in feature films, usually you're shooting one to two pages a day. So you're doing everything so quickly, but you're trying to create a feature film look, you know, so you, you just have to be creative um, with your left brain and your right brain. You have to come up with something cool that can be shot quickly. If you come up with something cool that that's way too complicated to shoot, right. it doesn't work. Right. You come up with something that's, Simple to, to, to shoot, but, you know, it, it just it, it doesn't do anything creatively, then that doesn't work either. So, you know, it's just like finding that middle ground. Where you can, right, yeah. You know, do you wish you had NZT? <laughs> I do, actually. <laughs> I think all of us do, yeah. I know. I, I, mean, know. I mean, the best thing we could do in college was Adderall, but, you know. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> what would you do if same. you were on NZT? Can we ask him that? Yeah. We've, we've, all, we've all had that question. We've asked our viewers to have chime you, yeah, in, yeah. you know. Hashtag ABTV, Limitless Guys. Yes. A lot yes, of our fans want to know. Yeah. 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 What would you do if you had one day to be on NZT? That's an excellent question. Um, well, you know, the thing is that I feel, as a creative person, I think you always feel like somewhat lazy because there's so much you can do. <laughs> you know, like when I'm not working, I'm always working on getting another job or, mm-hmm. or working on a new project. So on NZT, I think I could cross a lot of stuff off my to-do list. <laughs> you know, I really, I just so much that I would do if I didn't feel like I needed to, you know, go, you know, eat and, and, and <laughs> exercise and, you know, do all these, you know, do the laundry, go get groceries. I mean, all these things, are these menial tasks that you have to right. do. I would yeah. like to do those in 10 seconds and then like work on, on creative projects for the rest of the day. So I think, I think I would use the time for creative pursuits. That's cool. Nice. Well, Very speaking cool. of that, um, I wanted to know how – I looked you up before uh, you came in. I saw that you graduated from USC, went to USC yes. Film School. Uh, you've done right. you know, yeah, Fight On to all Thank our you. Trojan fans out <laughs> yeah. there. Yeah. Yeah. So um, you've obviously shameless done – Shameless plug, Frank. Shameless. I am not from <laughs> okay. USC. I'm a Michigan man. So I, Fair enough. USC kicked yes. our butts in 2004. So. All the Bruins have now turned off the show. But, uh, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Hopefully they're just staying with you. You've done – Dozens, if not hundreds, of hours of production on film and TV, um, Vampire Diaries. And, but I wanted to know what was different or unique about approaching Limitless, and also how you got the job and how the opportunity came along. Oh, no, that's great. Um, I did a show last year called Matador, which was on um, the El Rey Network. That is, uh, that's Robert Rodriguez's network, and he was executive producing this show called Matador. It was a great show. Sadly, it got canceled after 13 episodes. I directed a, an episode. It's basically, I don't know if you remember the show, but it's about a, uh, uh, a young um, uh, CIA recruit who goes undercover to play soccer for this fictional 
Los Angeles soccer team called the <laughs> LA Galaxy to try to infiltrate the corrupt organization headed by Alfred Molina. And uh, it was a really wonderful show. And uh, it was produced by Alex Kurtzman and Roberto Orsi, who who um, have who are producing Limitless. Okay. And uh, they like my episode. And uh, so I was on their list of, of, of directors that they like. So, so when this came up... Um, Aaron, one of their uh, top executives, who's also a producer on the show, he he just kind of recommended me, and um, they looked at my stuff and said, "Hey, yeah, let's give this guy a shot." So that's so cool. Uh, that's that's, that's cool. how TV directors get jobs. That's They're like, "Ah, yeah, I know that guy." Or, <laughs> right. Oh yeah. So you don't so. apply. There's no, <laughs> no there's no website to apply. <laughs> no, Hollywood is full of conversations about you know people who are on lists and you know they all yes. talk about yep. <laughs> talk yeah. about me sure, behind sure my back. So yeah. I don't know what they're saying. But when I get the job. I know that theoretically it was positive. So, um, yeah, no, they were great. So Chris Orsi were great. And then, you know, um, you know, Bradley Cooper is an executive producer on the show. So it's, it's really fantastic to, you know, to get, to get a, you know, blessing from, from the man, mm-hmm. Mr. Cooper. Mm-hmm. So, uh, and you know, it's, it, it, that's how I get the job. And your other, my other question was, you know, approaching limitless. Oh yeah. How different is it from what you've worked on in the past? It's, it it was it, you know the good news is that it was really like I felt sometimes I was on set I was felt like I was back in my USC days I felt like I was okay. doing a student film because you know you're sitting there and you're 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 shooting dolls and you're you're walking <laughs> dolls around and you're you know right. you're having fun you know there's just there was a great sense of fun and creativity that um, you know I keep saying it but you know Craig the the showrunner and, and and uh, Sally, my, my my writer, they they were just really like encouraging, like you know, like you could think outside the box, you could mm-hmm. do stuff on Limitless. Obviously, you had to tell an emotional story, you had to talk about Chris, you had to talk about, uh, um, you know, obviously you had to just, the, the Brian Chris uh, dynamic was really important, and and their emotional connection was important, and so hopefully we did that right. And hopefully, you know, the action scenes we, we, we have to focus on those. But but then everything else is just kind of this this wonderful sort of you know open open season on, on Brian, you know, just like right. how to get inside his head cinematically. And uh, and so that was that was fresh and new and something I haven't done yet, you know, and I enjoy the comedic elements too, because I've done a lot of really dark stuff. I did a bunch of episodes of the following, which is, you know, a great show. You know, but but like you know, you're dealing with serial killers, and you know, Vampire Diaries is wonderful, but you know, you're dealing with you know, epic romance and romantic notions, and everything's very, very heightened. Whereas Limitless, you know, you had the the fun, you know, element too that 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 I love to play with. So that was it was it was great. Nice, yeah. No, that's really interesting. I'd love to talk about um, sort of bits and pieces of that in this episode. Um, So. I know there was a lot of, obviously, questions for, for you, Joshua, and I'm sure there will be more, but uh, for the fans, I, I do want to make sure that we recap the episode. Sure. Yes, um, do thanks. <laughs> so, yeah, we, we start off, obviously, we talked about the dolls on Brian, um, the, the claymation. He develops this way to talk to himself after NZT, and he figures out the video message. We get a few... Um, pop culture references, is that something that you guys discuss? I, I sort of felt like that video, obviously, 51st Dates came to mind, you know, sending <laughs> yes. um, something to, like, someone who may have forgotten things. And just to um, tag on to his question, too, the entourage, you know, shout out there. Yes, thank yeah. you. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Shout out the end. 
perfect, yeah. even the music. <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah. The music, <laughs> we got the music. The yeah. Yeah. <laughs> the, the car was there. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, a lot of homages. I mean, even Love, love Actually a little bit with the, mm-hmm. the signs. Oh, the Love of, Actually, yeah. yes, exactly. Mm-hmm. Or the Bob Dylan video. Craig's, Craig's reference was the Bob Dylan video. Um, yeah, um, Homesick Blues? Something Homesick Blues. Yeah, there's it's, it's a great classic video where, where Bob Dylan is... is um, is kind of you know putting the lyrics of the song on cards and doing that, but yes, right. but definitely, uh, yeah, that that any any of those references are very spot cool. On. Yeah, I mean, it, to me, it was a lot of the notes of the Perfect Recall. You know, everything he does see, he can kind of revisit, even if he's not paying attention. You know, we see that in a conversation. He's not even he's completely spacing out, <laughs> but yet he's still able to tap into that. Yeah. Was that something that you guys discussed? You know, in the creative with the writer and the showrunner uh, about doing, about, you know, putting these elements. We talk a lot about uh, this show being a smart show, you know, that doesn't speed er, uh, spoon-feed things to the audience, but has layers, so if you rewatch it or if you, you know, s- certain viewings, you, some people can notice more things than others. You know, is that sort of the, the different layering that you guys try to do? Absolutely, and, and actually the scene I love in this episode where, where we discuss perfect recall where Brian is kind of spacing out and the NCT is taking NCT and it kind of kicks in the, I loved we designing that shot where it kind of comes around a steady cam shot where it comes around Brian as the, the drug is kicking in and then he's kind of like not talking to, to Boyle and, and, and Rebecca and they're sort of talking to him and he's not really listening and then he has to rewind and listen to them again. You know, things like that. It's a very, you know, it, it's it's very kind of fun to shoot because you're sort of saying, okay, well, we have to shoot all the stuff that he has to rewind through and come back to. And, and you know, the idea of like visualizing what Perfect Recall could be is, is discussed many times in pre-production. You know, it's like, can he stand there and watch somebody for two minutes, talk to them, not listen to them, and then be able to go back in his memory and like rewind it like a VHS tape and then play it back, you know. And the answer we came up with was sure, why not, you know. So, <laughs> you know, so and in this episode that kind of works really well because then you're you're just in the idea that that he's always perceiving things without actually you as a viewer seeing what he's perceiving. Right. I, I, I mean, obviously this show is called Limitless, but that's so great to hear that even while you're in production, there is kind of a creative discussion about what his limits are that he actually right. does have. Yeah. No, it's true. And and you cuz cuz you you got to kind of like have some rules because otherwise there would be no conflict cuz if he could solve every problem in the world, you have no series, really. Right. So you've got to have those those moments where you sort of say, "Okay, what are the limitations that Brian has versus what can we sort of demonstrate where and and then like what we did with the word cloud, you know, that was in a lot of discussions about how Okay, so, you know, you have to take the leap of faith that on NZT he was so creative that he created all those words and he put them up and he hung them like he did, you know, on uh, like, right, like, from a, the like a mobiles from the ceiling, right? So mm-hmm. you, you're like, well, yeah, he's just kind of like getting creative when he does that. But then, of course, he, then he has to sit down at a computer and then he has to actually use the, uh, the, two, <laughs> the, the, the two keyboards <laughs> and he has to use the FBI um, cyber division to actually go through the <laughs> 20,000 or 50,000 possibilities there could be from all the emails that right. you could come up with from those words. So, you know, it's that that's the constant back and forth I think you have on a show like this. I'm glad you said that because one of my main questions in watching this episode is how the FBI guys keep getting surprised by all these cool things that Brian does. It's like... 
shouldn't you guys know by now that he's on a pill and he's really, you know, taking care of things? But I love what you just said about that, that there are limits for him yeah. um, because that feeds in, that informs their, you know, surprise and shock when he comes up with these very complex answers very quickly. Sure. Uh, so I, I found that really interesting. I wanted to ask you, you know, moving forward in the episode, we've got the Sam and Chris, you know, brotherly relationship. Yeah. In this type of show, obviously, the, the main and recurring cast members are already established when you come on. How much control over casting did you have? And, you know, can you talk about that process about choosing the characters that you ultimately did cast in this episode? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Well, well um, Derek, who plays um, Derek o, who plays uh, Chris, just, you know, like the great thing about shooting in New York City, I have to say, because I shot in New York City. I did five episodes of the following there. Um, the The... the the talent pool is amazing. Right. You know, like yes. it's unbelievable because you have all these wonderful people who have taken drama classes and they're, they're <laughs> aspiring theater actors and they're, their craft is just fantastic. And I'm sure you must have the same, you know, situation if you ever shoot in London. I haven't, but you know, like the idea of, of like a city that really values the idea of training actors. And, and so like there was just a great, uh, pool of people who came in to, for those, those smaller roles. And, mm-hmm. um, yeah. And, and Derek and Sam are perfect examples of like, like Derek specifically, um, who played Chris. Uh, I mean, it's just like, that was the key in some ways to this entire episode yeah. to get someone that you actually empathized with, who could work and play well with Jake, but also just kind of like be, be, be in a core, you know, in some ways limitless is, is a fun, wonderful, sort of fantastical show, but in another way, it is a procedural. It is an FBI show, right? You know? So you, so this is the case of the week in quotes, you know, <laughs> exactly, in, in, in a hopefully creative and, and and unusual way, but it's still the case of the week. So, so that was, so I did have a lot of uh, control. Me, Sally, Craig, you know, all of us, we all had a say, but uh, Derek came in and really kind of blew us all away. Just he was just so like emotional and, 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 and empathetic for, for Chris. And I, I really think that was one of the most important decisions we made for this particular episode was casting him. He's he a, he's an emotional anchor yeah. in the episode. And especially for Brian, they have a brotherly connection between the two. So exactly what you just said makes a ton of sense that, you know, casting him is really important. I want to go back to something you said though, during your answer was that, you know, this show is kind of like a case of the week yeah. type of show with, Serial, serialized elements to it. Right. And I thought your episode, and this episode specifically, had the most advancement of our serialized elements. So um, with Rebecca's dad, we found right. out more about her dad than, and I've been, you know, these guys Dude, know, I know And I can't believe Brian I, is about to tell her. Yeah, That's I mean, I, <laughs> yeah. we've, we've wanted Too this soon. for a long time. I can't believe it. Yeah, I well, I mean, we don't, we don't know how much he's going to reveal. Yeah. So, yeah. I mean, he could... But I, at the at the door, he definitely seemed to have shared a lot yeah. of information. What yeah. that fire we were all had. sitting there like, oh my gosh, it's crazy. And then also we get to see Mr. Sands too. Uh, yes. he's had the best line of the episode, the funniest line of the episode. He's like, "What's a clay effigy doing?" Coffee yeah. 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 table, yeah. 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 And Colin, who Classic plays Mr. Sands, is just he's just a brilliant actor. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yes. I mean, he's not putting on that accent. Colin is a. Okay. a, a very well trained uh, English actor. Yeah. Who is, he's is, so funny yeah, he but intimidating at the it. same time. Yeah, you know? he's so good. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> he's just, yeah, it's like a weird classiness and sophistication, but also he's like a hitman kind of. He gives off that vibe, but yeah. in such a 
James Bondy sort of way. It's like okay, like, it almost makes him he more broke intimidating. In. Yeah. No problem. Yeah. yeah, it does, and he's always reminding Brian. Yeah, yeah. I'm keeping yeah, tabs just, on your where's dad. Scotch. I'm keeping tabs on your dad, and you're going to do your job. And we saw that in the episode halfway through. You know, Edward Moore is coming back, which is a serialized element. Yes, we next saw week. Re- Rebecca, yes. so um, we saw that. So I really like this episode because you're able to meld together the case of the week element with the serialized portions, which I find the most interesting. I'm, I can't wait to find out what happened with Rebecca's dad and how she's going to react. Uh, w- last week when we saw the painting yes. of her and she saw it, I mean, you could just see what Jennifer Carpenter is thinking right. mm-hmm. without her saying anything at all. Yeah, I mean, the actors are phenomenal. We, we got some new ones, obviously, the procedural stuff, Chris, that whole storyline. Uh, with its brother Sam, but also Casey is a new character that yes. seems yes. to be reoccurring. Desmond Harrington. Uh, yes, Desmond Harrington. <laughs> Great actor. Which is interesting because he and Jennifer Carpenter worked together on Dexter. Yes. So, question for you. Was that sort of a, a casting call that you guys were discussing? Their previous, like having uh, a chemistry, you know, they were in a relationship on a different show, so they've obviously worked together before. Is that something that sort of you know, you thought would be helpful for the show, a previous relationship? Yeah, I mean, that is actually so not a coincidence. I mean, Jennifer <laughs> Jennifer brought up the idea of casting Desmond, so... No and everyone, of, we were all like, yeah, that's a great idea. <laughs> you know, sure, would you be interested? And, and yeah, I mean, he... Uh, he we, you know, obviously the, the role was written for someone who who could, you know, do uh, martial arts, and we were like, oh, what does Desmond feel about that? And he was... Uh, totally gung-ho and our stunt coordinator wonderful guy uh jared uh just like was like yeah i mean everyone both desmond and jake were really down they, they did several days of training for those sequences and and uh yeah so so really i have to credit jeff jennifer carpenter for that because she was the one like going hi i think we should cast desmond you know <laughs> as casey and we're like yeah sure <laughs> let's let's check into that <laughs> we did we did read a lot of other people for right. it but 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 desmond didn't and Jennifer having a wonderful chemistry, and they're also really good friends in real life. So you know, it's just kind of kind of made sense. You know, I'm disappointed though as a fan. I was hoping for Brian and Rebecca to get together and have a relationship. I think yeah, there's still time. There's I think there's time. still time. Well, no, Several it's very it's time. very interesting you say that because because I think that's you know obviously I do, you know, having done 11 episodes of the Vampire Diaries, I'm I'm constantly thinking about ships. You right. know, <laughs> and I'm thinking, and I was totally on set, like going telling everybody, I was like, everyone's going to be shipping Brian and Rebecca by yeah. now. Yeah. I mean, I, I sort of called it because we shot the episode, you know, a couple of months before it even premiered. So, but um, mm-hmm. I was like, I, I promise you. And, and everyone's like, well, you know, maybe, maybe. We're not sure. And I was like, well, I think so. I think you've got really like a love triangle that, that might develop in this episode. Yeah. So I'm curious to think what – I'm curious to see what people think. If they're shipping Brian and Rebecca, if, they, if they're not, if they think they're good as, as, as friends and colleagues or if they really feel that there's a potential romantic possibility because I think, I think the show leaves it open-ended. Well, I, I think right. I predicted that week one that they were going to hook up. I was really <laughs> hoping that they would. But – I think in episode two, she gives him a tremendous compliment where she says, where Brian's going out on a date with his ex. Right. And he's like, I need NZT. I need it. And um, he meets with her and she says, you're the same guy. Yeah. And gives him this tremendous compliment that gave me chills, honestly, when she said it. um, Because it seemed like she sees the real person. And it's not just this buddy-buddy friendship. Um, but there's definitely something deeper there. Whether or not it's going to be a relationship, I guess we'll find out because 
Brian met with his ex-girlfriend, didn't work out, and now we see that Rebecca has someone currently. Um, so maybe I was just jealous that my prediction didn't come true. <laughs> but um, yet, yet there's, she there's a real him. chemistry there between the, the two of them, and I don't think it's just coworkers. And she also said she trusts him at the end of the episode. She does. That's a really important line. Him. I no, good, absolutely. No, that was, that was to, to Sally, the writer, that was the most important line in right. the episode. That, that, that she, she trusts that him. That she trusts him. And for me, my favorite episode, I mean, my favorite scene in the episode is the scene <laughs> prior to that where, where Brian and Rebecca are, are actually, you know, talking by, you know, by the window. And, and, yeah. and there's just such a great connection. Obviously, Jake and Jennifer are great actors, but just the idea, and it was a beautifully written scene, the idea that, that they could question their entire um, approach to to what they do, you know, and mm-hmm. and there's something beyond romance in a way, you know. There's something deeper in a way that, that the connection that I think they have that that you know, obviously, if you if you do ship them, that's great. If you don't ship them, I still think there's <laughs> there's something really amazing about that that bond. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, and there's such a great scene, obviously, after the whole Chris tragedy yeah. when he gets shot and killed. Um, so it's a very emotional scene. Is that something that you want to get involved with the actors and, and try to help them um, develop in terms of their relationship, the emotions that you sort of see going into the rest of the episode and, and um, in terms of setting it up for the next episode as well? Yeah, well, you know, it's it, to me that was the core of this episode. And it was actually the, we shot that the first day of our, <laughs> of our schedule. So we just jumped right into it. But yeah, I mean, I think if you look at my my work, I mean, I I, I feel like a lot of what I do um, involves just trying to get to the core of like relationships, and 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 there's there's a lot of epic emotions that kind of come out of of, of intense situations that, that TV is so good at, at at portraying. So for me. You know, this this was really in my wheelhouse. I think the the idea of, of trying to get make sure that the Brian Rebecca emotional scenes and the the Rebecca Casey emotional scenes and the the uh, Brian um, Chris emotional scenes were all on point. You know, because I mean, I love action, I love the fun, I love the comedy, I love doing all the fun stuff and running around the park and you know people with guns and all that's great. But at the end of the day, I think if the viewers are not, you know identifying with the characters and and really buying into it they're not going to tune in next week i mean they, they, for all the flash in the world you got to want to you want to tune in to hang out with your favorite people and, yes. and i think that's an important thing to remember when you do these kinds of shows i completely so cool. agree with that yeah. completely yeah that's Thank so you cool. for but, that. But speaking of those action scenes, yes. they, they are entertaining and fun to watch, but there's a lot of coordination within space. Yes. So you've got a group of FBI and the uh, SWAT team over here and then the characters over here. Yes. But it was all very clear to me, and um, as a yeah. viewer, I understood exactly where people Good. were Thank you. in yes. space. <laughs> That's an important <laughs> distinction. Yes. Yeah, so how do you approach a scene like that and making sure that with so much going on that it's – Understandable for your viewers. Oh, well, you know, the the fact that you get it makes me feel really good because okay. we those are the hardest things that you have so many conversations <laughs> about them. I, I draw maps, you know, like yeah. so we had the place where Casey's group was, where the the second SWAT team was, where where they were filming the the encounter, and then the third team where Boyle had his. SWAT members and then, you know, where the tunnel is and where, you know, who takes off running first and who runs after them first and then who comes this <laughs> way and who has the camera on their helmet and who has the camera on their vest. And then, 
you know, by the time Chris there gets there, what has already happened? And, you know, and, and it, it literally, it's it just like that to me is, is just, you know, coordinating that in my own head and then coordinating that yeah. with, with the stunt coordinator and with the, uh, the actors and the, the cinematographer and the editor. It's like, we're, th- those are the hardest things to get right, right. especially when you have all these things in play. So it, it, the fact that you get it and you understand where people are, then, then I, I feel like we've done our job. But we do a lot of really heavy lifting to try to make sure that that's not going to lose you as an audience. You know, we've got to make sure we, you know what's going on at any given time. Yeah, and exactly. speaking of that scene and getting back to your point about the characters um, being you know, the grounding of the show, yeah. when um, Chris decides to – Break down and tell his brother. Basically, he doesn't tell him, "Hey, I brought the cops." But he goes, "This is going to be good." He gives for you. it away. Yeah, yeah. That was a big moment of decision for him. It was. Um, how did you coach the actor through that and and not laying it on too heavy? Because if he lays it on too heavy, it's too obvious, right? Uh, but he seemed to hit it right, you know, in the sweet spot. Uh, you know, it's interesting, yeah, because we did a couple of takes of that, and then the last take, which is in the the episode that you saw tonight, you know, I think I, I talked to Derek and I said, you know, we, we talked about it. I was like, look, let's let's try to go deeper, you know, let's see mm-hmm. let's see what we can do. Let's see how far we can take this because I felt like we earned some emotion there between even though they're they're supporting characters, they're not our major characters. Derek, uh, you know, is a soulful actor, and you know, most people <laughs> also <laughs> recognize that he is—he he definitely could play Leonardo DiCaprio's younger brother right. in, in a future project. He's got that Le- young Leo DiCaprio vibe, um, which which you know makes him even more kind of you know photogenic. But uh, yeah, no, it was really just me saying, you know, look, let's you know. Um, Let's let's explore this. Let's let's talk about. What's do you do going like on. emotional recall with the actor to take him to a dark place in their past to 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 reach those deep moments, or is it? Yeah, I mean, I mean, we don't. I don't. You know, use the oh, remember your dog dying right. kind of <laughs> trick or whatever. But no, I mean, we try to talk specifically about you know the objectives of the scene and mm-hmm. what we're trying to accomplish. But but like someone like Derek, you know, I think the thing about actors is that they they need to feel like like there's somebody behind the camera who's who's evaluating each take and who's there with them and who wants them to be the best they can be and I try to be that 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 guy but I also don't want to step on their craft so I don't want to like give them you know like result oriented direction I try to give them right. direction that will that will encourage them to try things and I think just by by opening up Derek a little a little and saying, "Listen, just just let's let's try this. Let's go for it." Mm-hmm. He kind of nailed it. He kind of yeah. got that that moment. It wasn't too sentimental, but it wasn't, you know, like uh, to the point where you you didn't really understand that dynamic between brothers, which I which I think was the important thing we were trying to accomplish. So, yeah, an important point you put out that you know, even though they are supporting characters, they are brothers. Is there? extra prep that you had those two do together so they would sort of have that unspoken bond between each other even though it is you know a smaller part of the overall episode Mm -hmm. you know it's a pretty pivotal scene just because of how emotional it is well you know on a feature film you know you would have rehearsals built into the schedule on tv you really have no rehearsal i mean you're rehearsing scenes five ten fifteen minutes you know before you actually set them up and shoot them so um the key there was just casting two good actors and then and then expecting that once we put them together like within a few minutes you know once we once we go over the scene itself 
that that bond will will be something that they could convincingly portray, which they did. So um, I'd love to say that yeah, we had like you know hours of rehearsal, but in this case, you know like again, TV moves so quickly, you really just don't have that that luxury. So it was really a, a testament to the actors that they gave you the feeling that you got, you know, because they probably. I don't think they even met each other before the day we started shooting. Oh, wow. So, yeah. That's yeah. incredible. And Good I job. love that you made reference to the fact that they're all New York actors, so they're well-trained, and they're really <laughs> into theater, and they're just, they're they're well-trained actors. And I always talk about that, that I love this show because I love how CBS kind of has these really interesting New York actors and even the little roles, and they're yes. all very unique. Like, they're they're not the same type of person that you usually see on TV. They're, they have different, you know, different characteristics, and they're all unique, so... Just wanted to put that little tip. Well, no, in. And, and, and it's interesting because because Co- for New York, yeah, yeah exactly. Well, and Cotty Co- Johnston, who's the uh, the line producer of Limitless, she's she's wonderful. She she was the line producer of Law and Order for twelve years, right. and you know the joke amongst the the New York acting scene is that you know you really haven't you know made it until you've done a Law and Order, uh, you know, yeah. and and most of them brag that they've done all three of them, you know, when they were you know SVU and uh, that's what pays the bills. Yeah, but but I mean, but it's true that that those shows, you know, because it is a procedural, and they do need you know the case of the week, and then they have all these amazing actors that can that can make you feel deeply about these these characters, you know, within two, three, four minutes of screen time that they're all like these, whether the victims or the the, the, the killers or whatever the, their role is, that the, that there's a, a humanity that they can bring because they're so well-trained as actors, you know. That, right. that So I don't think it's coincidental that New York shows really have strong, strong supporting characters. Yeah, now you shot in New York for this episode? Yes. Okay. Yeah, the, the series shoots in New York. The seri- yeah. series shoots in New York. Where okay. did you shoot that scene with the with all the FBI when, he, when Chris gets shot? Where was that? Um, that was right outside the Cloisters um, mm. in Fort Tryon Park. Um, I don't know if you've ever been up to the Cloisters. It's a very top, tippy-top of Manhattan. It's a beautiful area. It's a, um, you know, one of New York's historical landmarks, the Cloisters. Wow. It's just, it was great. It was right there, and, and we, we shot. The good news is, you know, that park is cool because you can see, you know, the, 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 the river, and right. you can see, you know, and, and, yeah. you know there's just a, there's a very cinematic quality to it. So. I was going to say the cinematography for that was, was awesome. Yeah, uh, yeah. Because yeah, it's a very it tranquil scene initially, mm-hmm. and then you have the juxtaposition with all of the action that came right after it. Yeah. So it starts in a very calm place and then escalates very quickly. Oh, uh, throughout the episode. I mean, even yeah. in the very beginning when there's the SWAT scene, you have to do that with an intense riot, like, breaking in. But also the comedy of Brian getting punched in the face. Yes, exactly. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Right. yeah. And we we shot that in 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 the Bronx. Yeah, that was that was an actual um, you know housing complex in the Bronx. And yeah, and it was funny because you know as that was happening, you know there was there was all, all these dramas going on in various apartments. And you know you're shooting in a, in a live location. It's great about New York. It's not a set. That that's a real place. And you know life <laughs> is really going on as you're as you're shooting. So. Um, so I think that helped us a lot, you know, the idea of just, you know, being, being in that kind of a place where, where you had the two things going on at the same time and the, but the, you know, the, the juxtaposition of the comedy and, and the, uh, the, the, the battering ram and the get, you know, the rain of the apartment, all that fun stuff. So, 
I have a plot question for you about, you know, Chris comes to a full stop when he sees Brian uh, coming up there. He looks like any other normal guy. So why do you think or what was the motivation for Chris to stop right there? He's not wearing a badge. He's not dressed up as the police. So Yeah, we talked about that a lot. I mean, you know, it's interesting because what we did was we built a, um, a fence behind uh, the – that wasn't actually on set because we were like, okay, so why doesn't he just barrel past, past Brian? Right. So, you know, if you watch the episode, I mean, he technically, he looks behind him, he sees there's a fence there, so he can't go that way. And if he goes this way, you know, he's, you know, he's going to run into this this guy who's kind of, you know, going to maybe or maybe not hurt him, you know, and the idea that he recognizes he doesn't have a gun. I mean, you know, that that's one of those moments in the, where you hope that the TV audience at least gives us a little bit of the benefit of the doubt because you're like, all right, well, okay, yeah, he could have barreled past him, but 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 the good news is that it doesn't matter because he still, you know, gets the upper hand on Brian in a fu- in a funny way, you know, with the <laughs> yeah. I mean, for yeah. me, it struck me as sort of a brotherly connection. Like Chris sees yeah. Brian and. There's just something about him that he feels drawn to, um, which brought him to a stop. Right, and, and in the scene in the in the interrogation room, and in, in, yeah, in, when, right. when they when they meet again, he says, "Well, I thought you were cool, you know. And I guess I was wrong, <laughs> yeah, you know." So yeah, the idea is that there would be a kind of connection there, the brotherly connection that he, that he'd also feel. Um, so yeah, a combination of factors, the ge- geography of where where Chris could have gone at the moment, and also setting up the joke, and you know, yeah, that was really cool, really funny scene. I like that. <laughs> I, yeah. I love when he got punched in the face because it shows that NZT, even though it's limitless, yes, still, can, <laughs> still, still has flaws. You can still face. get punched in the face. Well, because in the yeah. movie, I was remembering while this scene was going on in the movie, Brad Pitt, uh, Brad Pitt, Bradley Cooper runs into um, a he's in the subway downtown and he he's on the pill and then he's remembering a Jackie Chan scene yes. from the movie <laughs> and he gets out of it but he he wakes up later with a bloody hand. And so it, it was a change from the movie to this show where Brian gets punched in the face. So I loved it. It was a surprise, and it was something that was, you know, original to the show. Yeah, no, it was great to see that, that again, there are limits to Brian and, and his abilities because, you know, it's not just the everything drug. He doesn't know everything. He even made a point to say that at the end, you know, he can figure things out very quickly, but mm-hmm. he's not all-knowing. You know, he right. doesn't have all the answers, and that kind of, that vulnerability definitely makes him a more compelling character. Um, are there sort of those things that you guys discuss in terms of the limits of Brian that you want oh, to reveal? Absolutely, and, and I think the key is there was actually a line that we didn't use in, in the final episode, but there was a, there was a scene that continued on after the um, the Brian getting getting clocked in the face, where um, Rebecca talks about how Brian is. Um, the difference between seeing and doing, the difference between, you know, seeing something and having perfect recall and remembering, you know, what they saw. Like, obviously, if you see a documentary about a specific subject years ago, you can recall that information. But if you watch Bruce Lee movies, you don't necessarily translate right. the, the, the visualing, visualization of, of, of the Bruce Lee moves into the ability to yeah, perform the physical physicality. So I think that was, that was a key distinction that we talked about a lot in terms of, in terms of limitless. And I think that's going to inform the entire show, the idea that, that Brian is, you know, when he's not on NZT, he's kind of this guy, you know, who just doesn't really have, you know, the same way Bradley Cooper's character in the movie. It's like you're, they're just ordinary, ordinary guys that don't have superhuman powers. They're not superheroes. They're not Marvel characters. They're right. not, right. you know, 
know, and they, they take the pill. It's not like they grow, you know, extra muscles. They don't become the Hulk. They don't become, you know, Daredevil or whatever. They don't, they don't suddenly have these powers. They have the ability to access their brain. But, you know, as we all know, you know, thankfully nerds are, are sexy now. But, you know, but, but in high school, it didn't feel too good to, to, to make it it's straight A's. And then you're, you look at the jocks and they're like, well, they're, they're actually doing it. They're out there. They're making, you know, they're, they're, they're winning the football games. And we're there, you know, just sitting in the, in the corner, you know, doing our homework. But, you know, well, the I think the, you got the last laugh. Well, you know, yeah. <laughs> no, I mean, thankfully, you know, it swings around after a while. But, um, you know, and, and people with brains are actually, are, are, Valued in different ways, but I think that's great about Brian and his character, and, the, and that idea that that he can't just do it if he watches it, you know. So right, he actually has to perform it, which he did with Casey after you know the training. He does right; he had to learn it, it. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Right. I mean, he did watch uh, you know on a, on, a, on his iPhone, you know, <laughs> yeah. some training videos, and he got a, a leg up on it. He learned it in 24 hours, whereas it would take most people to learn, you yeah, know, years, years, <laughs> right. So there's that that element of NCT, which is great. But but the idea that he has to physically go through the motions of right. it, you know, exactly. which he does with Casey, which was, you know, which, which actually Jake and Desmond did so well, you know, and then all that, you know, they 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 as I said, they trained for days to do to do the sequence you saw in the in in, in the in the episode. That's very cool. That was great. Looked authentic to me for sure. Oh, good. Yeah. Well, no, and I had my stunt coordinator Jared next to me at the at the monitor, so like I wouldn't call cut. Until he said, "Oh no, that was good," because I don't know the intricacies of, of martial arts. Right. You know, mm-hmm. I mean, I know what looks good to me, but you know, <laughs> sometimes he say, "No, no, no, we need to do one more because there was one little thing that anyone who's an expert in martial arts would know was not, you know, the right move." Right. So we had to do sometimes do those moves two or three or four times in a row until they got it right, but never more than that because Jake and Desmond were so well trained. So, right. Yeah. That's great that you guys take that extra care to make sure that the show is authentic. I mean, it's such a smart show. There's a lot of crazy stuff that you guys throw out <laughs> that is way over my head and yeah. um, perhaps some viewers as well. You know, is do you find that you hire experts a lot uh, in terms of the show where you need to nail a certain thing, whether if it's architecture or history? Oh, absolutely. No, everything, everything. I mean, it really does come down to it. Like Craig, uh, our showrunner, is actually – does martial arts so he was very very much uh, interested in making sure we had uh, the right everything was right in terms of, of what we did on screen uh, Jared our stunt coordinator luckily had a lot of experience in that area but like things like the uh, the SWAT team uh, mm-hmm. sequences we, we always had a, um, a consultant from you know either the FBI or uh, someone who was who was who did SWAT and basically you know, we really need to. I feel very, uh, you know, passionately about making sure that those people uh, who are way more knowledgeable than I am are on set and they're they're informing the actors. And and a lot of times the actors are not like actual SWAT team members. You know, they're, you know, they're potentially ex-military, whatever. We, you know, whoever we can find to fill out the SWAT team. Uh, but they they do need training on set, and so they're 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 training thirty forty five minutes an hour before we shoot to make sure that those moves look look. Uh, you know, right to the people that do do it for real, you know, because if you don't take that kind of extra effort, then, you know, you'll, you'll get called out. Yeah. You know, right. You know. A lot of angry fan mail. Yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> fan mail, internet. 
Right well, away. the blogosphere, right, yeah. the blogosphere, just instantly. That's what I yeah, no, yeah. Say, that's <laughs> they're probably already talking about whatever you exactly. screwed up tonight. I'm sure yeah, they're exactly. talking about. Yeah. It. Yeah. Exactly. They're gonna hit you up on Twitter. Yeah, yeah. no, I'll, I'll hear. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, no, I thought that scene looked really real, and it reminded me of American Sniper, which yes. Jake, of course, mm. is in. And Bradley Cooper. Uh, and Bradley Cooper. Well, that was the reason too. Jake got got limitless, mm-hmm. you know, because yeah. Bradley met Jake on that show. Bradley knew him. Jake's really relaxing into the character now, which I've noticed specifically in your episode um, because in American Sniper he plays this sort of cocky guy and gets his face blown off um, yes. but they still have like that Bradley and him have such a fun like teasing you know joshing relationship between the two in this show he's much more an altruistic good guy mm-hmm. out to help people um, which can be kind of really tough to play um, because you're not really far off one way you're not really cocky you're not upset you you kind of have to you know work in subtlety so what did you see you know in the growth of jake um throughout i'm sure you've seen the other episodes for the the series all the way through to yours and then working with him um well you know i think what's great about tonight's episode and i think everyone recognized that was that and, and I mean, I hate to, 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 to put this all on, on the character of Chris, but I think the idea of Chris brought out so much of, of yeah. Brian's character, the idea. Yeah. And that's why I think casting Derek Go was so important because that – like the scene where, where Brian is talking to Chris and Chris comes to Brian and says, look, I need, I need to talk to you. My, my brother's going to you know, do this terrible thing and, and he's going to go to jail and he's going to he's, – uh, why is he doing this? And, you know, those are the types of moments, I think, for characters to really emerge and to come to to fruition, you almost need to see them interacting with other people. And in the first four episodes, which I I love dearly, I mean, I love this show, like, and I think it's an amazing show, and and I think everyone did an amazing job in the first four episodes, the the thing that I don't think that, that Brian, the character, has had until this episode was that ability to really show that he's empathetic and that he had a kind of brotherly um, connection yeah. with somebody. So Yeah, know. I love that. I, it really grounded him. And we talked a couple of weeks ago about when he met up with his ex-girlfriend. I thought that was another layer that we got to see that peeled yeah, back yeah, for him. Shauna, and yeah. then this episode tonight with you know Chris, the Chris relationship, even added even more for me. Mm-hmm. Right. We. I mean, the title of this episode, Personality Crisis, is so resonant in everything. Every relationship, Brian and himself. <laughs> yes. You know, Brian and Rebecca. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, Brian and Chris obviously had a had a heart to heart. That is more than we've seen emotionally from Brian. So I'm sure that was fun to to play with. When you take on a a procedural show like this and you only have one episode, do you like to prepare by by watching, you know, footage from from previous ones and and reading up on that? Do you how much do you keep fresh in your mind that you want to bring to to new episodes. Well, no, that's a, good, that's a great question. I mean, I think that's that's the that's the million dollar question for a television director because I think you need to first immerse yourself in the world of the show that you're directing. You know, because TV directors are rotated in and out of shows, and most people don't quite understand the process. Even I don't understand it sometimes. But <laughs> but the idea of you know like the fact that you direct four or five, six, seven different series in a year, you know, and you do episodes, you know, but you're coming into uh, uh, something that was created, and your your goal is to give it your own 
you know personal stamp as a, as as an artist as a filmmaker, but you're also working within you know what has been created. So I always read the scripts. Um, sometimes the cuts aren't available for the shows that that are just previously shot because you know the way episodes are overlapped. You know one one episode shooting while another one's prepping, another one's in editing, another one's in post. <laughs> so you know there's not always available the the, the cuts. So if there, you can't see the cut, you read the script and you sort of get your head around it but then yes i agree you also keep yourself uh keep it fresh so that when you approach it you can be as 100 percent passionate about telling this particular story as as you would be instead of just sort of like doing it as a kind of a sequel or a, as a serialized show which it is ultimately but just sort of taking this episode and saying okay how can i make this the best i can make it you know how can i put myself in this and how can i you know, just just make sure that this has that the stamp of, of me as a director. So that's so cool. Right. Yeah. It's, so, it's, are you working on anything else right now? Do you have future projects coming up? That yeah, on Friday. Fans can pay uh, attention to? Friday. Yeah, I go off to direct a show. Um, it hasn't premiered yet. It's called The Magicians. It's going to be a show on the Sci Fi Channel. It premieres in January. It's based on a best selling series of novels. It's kind of an adult uh, Harry Potter. Uh, it's like a it's like a oh, school cool. for magicians, but for the uh, for the uh, Dead Poets Society crowd. Um, <laughs> awesome. No, it's really it's a great show, and I think it's going to be a lot of fun. So that's that's my next project. Are you doing Very one cool. episode, or are you doing more? Yeah, than I'm doing. Okay. Well, you know, it's the thing. Also, you know, all these shows that are new, you know, they they, they hire you for an episode, and then you you cross your fingers and hope the I show see. gets picked up for more episodes, uh, so you can do more. Right. But you know, so, so you're doing the pilot. No, no, no. Oh, the pilot's okay. been shot. Oh, okay. I'm, I'm doing uh, episode 10, actually, of, gotcha. of, of, of the run. But right now they're doing uh, 12 episodes. And, uh, you know, and again, once it premieres, hopefully people watch it. You know, it's like it's a nail-biter. Now, today's days of days of television, you know, you're always hoping shows do well so right. that they get, you know, ordered for more episodes so you can do more episodes. It's an economic thing, unfortunately, yeah. um, unless you're working for pla- places like Netflix or, or Amazon where they're like, ah, yeah, here's take do, do three seasons. We don't care. <laughs> We're a subscription model. We don't yeah. care what the ratings are. So, but well, yeah, um, I mean, it's a golden age of TV and, and that sort of is how crazy the stakes have become. You know, there's so many directors yeah. that, that move around. You know, you really have to invest everything in each episode, even when it's the only one you get to play with. Uh, yeah, for a absolutely. Season. Yeah. I mean, and, you know, tomorrow's ratings are going to be very important for Limitless. I mean, tomorrow, you know, it, it, you know, it's pending a, a full season order. And, and obviously, I hope that tonight's episode was, was, was watched by... A large number of people, because if the numbers are good tomorrow, I mean, hopefully CBS will say, hey, yeah, let's do nine nine more and fill out the season, and then we'll, you know, have 22 episodes as opposed to 13 right now. So, right. You know. Fingers crossed. I yeah. enjoyed it. <laughs> I thought it was a great, great episode. Good, hopefully, really yes. Yeah. 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 Um, great episode. Great director. Thank, Thank you so much, Thank Josh, you. Yes. For, for coming in and joining us. <laughs> and awesome. Yeah. And talking about the craft and behind-the-scenes yeah. stuff. Um, where can the fans follow you? Oh yeah, I'm uh, follow me. You can follow me on Twitter at the Joshua Butler. Um, sadly, somebody took Joshua Butler before I joined Twitter. <laughs> they were the so I went with the Joshua. 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 <laughs> and then on on Facebook and Instagram, I'm Ice Blink Films, which is the name of my production company. Ice Sweet. Blink Films. Ice Blink Films. 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 We'll follow that fans of Thank the you. show and of the episode. Um, Pam, where can they find you? Yeah, guys, uh, thanks for listening this week. Thank you, Josh, for coming in. Thank you, for a great interview. Yeah, it's been a ton fun. of valuable it's stuff so fun, for yeah. us. Thank you. Uh, you guys can find me on Twitter at Let's Go Frank M. We'll see you next week. And I'm a 
Amanda Richards. Find me at AmandaFTA31, Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Thank nice. you so much. Thank you, Amanda. Uh, well, you guys can find me at JB underscore Zimmerman. And as always, please use the hashtag ABTVLimitless. Yes. Nice. All right, JB. Thank yeah. you. Thanks for having me. Thanks for coming. All right. <laughs> <laughs>